1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh, uh, president and co-founder of Henning & Walsh, which is a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Bill. Hi. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Let's just start with your background a little bit, how long you've been in the muni bond business, and why you wanted to get into it in the first place.
3: Uh, I've been in the uh, municipal bond business since 1983, uh, and Hennion and & Walsh, which is the company I co-founded with my partner, Rich Hennion, uh, we've been in business for 22 years, since 1990, and um, I wanted to get into the business, uh, I guess when I first came out of school, um, you don't really know exactly what you want to do in the financial world, but uh, municipal bond business just seemed like a, a, a good a good business to help individual investors because there's not a lot of uh, expertise throughout the country, uh, at, you know, the big wire houses or the banks when it comes to, you know, individual municipal bonds for the retail investor. So it enabled us to build a client base and, and, and actually help people uh, uh, make money out there towards their financial goals.
2: Let's start with the basics about municipal bonds. Uh, Why is it that the income that they pay is tax-free at the federal level and state level? What is the legal basis for that?
3: Well, there's a a, a law or a rule uh, which is basically reciprocal immunity of of interest. So the states don't charge uh... the federal government tax and the federal government doesn't charge a state government tax so uh... I don't know when it came into existence but you know it is it has been around for you know a long time and uh... you know so if you buy a, a government bond you would pay federal tax on that but you wouldn't pay state tax whereas if you buy a, a municipal bond you pay uh... Um, no you don't pay any federal tax and if you buy out of your state so if you're a you know a new york resident and you buy a california bond you would pay state tax but most states not all but most states don't charge uh or don't charge uh a, uh a, a income tax on the interest if you buy within your own state so arguably if you live In New York, and you buy a bond issued by the state of New York or one of its entities or one of its municipalities, you would not pay any federal, state, or local taxes on the interest earned uh, on that bond. So what is the advantage to that
2: to an investor who's comparing a tax-free bond with a taxable bond, like a corporate bond or a treasury of some kind?
3: Right. Well, the the advantage is is that you have to look at your after-tax income. You know, so, again, depending upon your tax bracket and depending upon, um, you know, what bond you buy. But say, for example, right now, you know, the 30-year Treasury bond is paying that's just over 2.5%, but say like 2.6%. So if an investor went out and bought a 30-year Treasury bond, they would, in turn, you know, say they invested $100,000 in that, they would get $2,600 a year. And they would only keep, all right, if their tax bracket is the highest. Say they say keep sixty-five percent. So, you know, on on something like that, they they would only keep somewhere around, uh, you know, just under two thousand dollars. Whereas on a tax-free bond, if you if you buy three or four percent, say you buy four percent tax-free, you wouldn't pay. You would keep all of it. So your effective yield now might be six percent. You would have to maybe get something. Six percent to equal that.
2: So traditionally, municipal bonds have lower yields than treasuries because of the tax-free nature of it. Uh, Today, you're saying that's opposite. That even though they're safe, they still have a higher yield on the same maturity than treasuries.
3: Historically, municipal bonds would out yield uh, out yield yield treasuries. Treasuries would be higher yielding because they would have to for supply and demand reasons. But uh, I guess since 08, when was the end of the world coming? Back in 08, I guess, um, you know, uh, people sh- sought out Treasury bonds as a, um, as a, you know, as the ultimate safety uh, of their money, and in turn the yields became less because there was tremendous supply. Not only, you know, maybe individuals buying, but now there were, you know, institutions and there were uh, other countries, and and the demand uh, just pushed the prices higher and the yields lower, and we've been that way now for several years. So, as I said, you know, uh, a 30-year Treasury bond is, you know, 2.6%, and a high-quality municipal bond, depending upon the, uh, you know, the – the issuer and the, the, the state, you know, is 3 to 4% tax-free. So, so that's where, unusual
2: in history? Normally that doesn't happen, is that Yeah, right?
3: normally, again, that has, that's not unusual, I guess, in recent history because it's been going on for several years now. But, yes, it, I guess historically that is unusual.
2: So um, when the market's giving you something like that, normally there's a, a cost to it. There's no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. So does that mean that the market perceives a much higher risk in munis than treasuries right now? No,
3: I don't. I don't think that. I think the market has perceived uh, treasuries as the the ultimate riskless investment, and I think that's that's the the, the real reason. Also, many uh, institutional and like different funds back again in 08 and 09. Uh, when Moody's and Standard & Poor, uh, you know, uh, were, were under the microscope and under tremendous scrutiny for, uh, maybe not, you know, appropriately rating certain mortgage tranches that, you know, that were part of the financial meltdown, uh, they went in and they had to re- re-rate all municipals. And, um, you know, municipal bonds, many used to have AAA ratings, many don't anymore. Uh, they'll they 'll just have double a and no um, mood uh, i guess I, forget, I think it was uh, you know the i guess it was about a year ago uh, even the treasuries became split they'll still get into different accounts so there's just more demand there's more demand across the board but I think most uh, you know Mer- Meredith Whitney i guess you know two years ago uh, forecasted or predicted the you know the end of all municipalities and trillions of dollars in, in defaults and you know thousands of municipalities going to fall but away from you know a handful of naysayers i think most most individuals who use a common sense approach to investing and most uh, you know people that understand the actual financial workings of municipal bonds you know they 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 perceive the the strength and the safety as it has been over the last 100 years which is you know if you're buying high quality uh, municipal bonds, if you buy NGOs and essential purpose revenue bonds, uh, the default uh, uh, ratio is, is negligible.
2: interesting to say that because today uh, the the city of Stockton, California, uh, said they're going to go into bankruptcy, or at least I don't know if they're actually doing it, but they're about to do so, which is the largest municipality in the United States ever to go into bankruptcy. Is this the, the first wave of many more to come, do you think?
3: No, I, I, I do not, I do not think so. I think, uh, if you look at any, uh, of the, you know, defaults that have happened to large municipalities, uh, most of them have never actually affected the individual investor. Uh, you know, back in the 70s, uh, New York City went, I guess, into a default. But it wasn't a default of their bonds, it was a default of their notes uh... the municipal bondholders never missed an interest payment and got all their money back at maturity you know, the same thing happened, uh, like in, um uh, I guess it was maybe 15 years ago, like Orange County, California, I guess went into a default. But again, it wasn't the, it wasn't the individual municipal bonds, uh, that I actually think it was more of their derivative, uh, swap stuff. So it wasn't like on the notes or the tans. So it's, it depends what you're owning, uh, but again, history has stated and showed us that, you know, municipal bond owners there there's just have not been a lot of defaults. There, there really are major municipalities. There's really been, you know, very, 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 very few.
2: So what would you expect in the case of Stockton, uh, that they're going to go into bankruptcy, but they'll still be paying their bonds unchanged? Yeah, your- I,
3: would ha- I would have to look at, you know, uh, and again, I'm, I don't pretend to be, uh, you know, uh, an analyst on this stuff. Uh, what we do is, you know, we look at the credits, we look at the current current ratings, we look at the past paying history. Uh, we're we're trading these bonds all the time, but I would expect on 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 a on a, a city like Stockton, they they're they've spent too much. Like most places in California, uh, their you know their expenditures are certainly. Uh, you know, exceeding uh, anything that the, the revenue coming in, and they're going to use, you know, some sort of reorganization to try to get their house in order. Uh, but at the the end of the day, if you're a geo-holder of Stockton, you know, the city of Stockton, general obligation bonds, and you're backed by the full faith and credit and unlimited taxing power of that city, the city's not actually ceasing to exist. They're still going to have revenue, Right? And as a, as a holder of general obligation, bond, you're first in line. So, you're, you'll, you know, again, I, I, I don't know what will happen, and I, I don't have, I never pretend to have a crystal ball, but that's why bondholders are always protected. Because if you own like the GOs, you're paid before anybody in the city. Alright? Uh, maybe sometimes there's a, um, uh, an exclusion where the school districts get the money first. And then the bondholders, but you're paid before anybody. So it's not going to stop being in business. There's still going to be fire department, police department, you know, schools. There's still going to be revenue. There's still going to be taxes. There's still buildings. There's still businesses. So you're in line to get those payments. Now, if you're a holder of those bonds, the price may drop, right, because no one, you know, there be, might be some demand, but that's, the, you know, the demand might diminish, so the price might drop. But the beauty of municipal, holding municipal bonds, prices can go up, go down, you're buying the bonds for that, you know, for that uh, interest every six months. So you hold the bond to maturity and then you get your money back. That's what happened in New York City in the 70s. Bonds went down pretty dramatic in price, but the bondholders still got their interest every six months and they got their principal back window.
2: One solution to worry about these things is uh, municipal bond insurance. Uh, but that seems to have dried up a lot. The companies like an AMBAC or MBIA or uh, FIGIC that used to be around, Seem to be greatly diminished presences. Do you think yeah. it makes sense to buy muni bond insurance in today's market?
3: Um, not necessarily. I mean, the the you know the bonds are actually they're really priced almost without insurance now for the most part. Uh, so the market almost disregards the the insurance policies. Uh, there's some that still, get, you know, you'll get a little bit, uh, you know, better pricing and, and stuff like that when it has a policy. But, no, I think individuals, um, the insurance certainly doesn't hurt them if, uh, if their bond has insurance, but I think you look at what you're buying. And, you know, to us, you buy general obligations or if you buy essential purpose revenue bonds, things that people need, things that people that are always going to be there. Again, real estate taxes are going to be there on geo bonds. Uh, You know, water and sewer bonds. Again, Stockton can go out of business, but people are still going to be using the Water and Sewer Authority. You know, so it's like you you look at those types of things. So I think the underlying uh, credit is more important than the insurance policy.
2: Have there been more problems in general with revenue bonds compared to general obligation bonds where revenues didn't uh, materialize as expected?
3: Yeah, I I would say yes to that. But, again, the defaults of municipal bonds don't come from GOs or central purpose revenue. If you look at any of the defaults that take place on municipal bonds, they're small revenue deals. It's a nursing home somewhere, right? It's not a water and sewer authority. It's a nursing home. Right. If it comes from the G.O. side of it, it's a community development district in Florida. That yeah, they were they were building a school and they're building a firehouse and they're building a center of town and they're going to build houses. So they sold bonds on the premise that you're going to have the taxing power of this new community. But no one ever bought anything in the community, or they didn't develop the community, and that's where the default went. So it's there. But people like like none of our clients have ever bought one of those bonds. All right, it, it, it you have to be seeking out you know high-yield speculative or junk bonds to really have your your hand on that but yeah I would say in general those types of bonds are more geo uh, more revenue oriented bonds of some sort of facility that ends up not having enough revenue but not major essential purpose revenue all right that's that's different you know, I don't know, uh, you know, of, you know, uh, a major toll road that didn't have enough revenue.
2: I think of the one in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which I guess was some kind of recycling
3: plant or yeah, something. Yeah, that- but, but again, remember, there there's much more, much more involved in that. That was a political fight. That was an overspending. It was, a, uh, you know, they tagged along some, you know, garbage incinerator. But even there the individual investors that had the bonds they, one we don't have a client that bought that because this is this is a story that's been that was evolving for years right Two if you if you talk to people that do own that bond those bonds they own the insured version of it and again the insurance doesn't matter as much today. I don't know an individual investor that owns the Harrisburg bonds that have missed an interest or principal payment yet. And it's going to work out because they're going through all the processes. And the big institutions that do own all the paper, they're going to, get, they're going to, they're going to eventually get paid on all the liquidations and all the revenue that comes in. Now, maybe they might make $0.80 cents on the dollar, but that's what institutions do. Again, as an individual investor, we would never recommend something like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, because there was going to be some stuff going on with that, and you are going to have to deal with the roller coaster rider pricings.
2: Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh. He's the co-founder and president of Henion & Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds. We'll be back after this.
0: Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety
1: Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific time.
4: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back
2: to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh, the president and co-founder of Henyon & Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds. Welcome back to the Money After Show, Bill.
3: Thank you very much.
2: Uh, give people a website where they can find out more about you and your firm.
3: Sure. Uh, my firm's website is uh, www.hennion, hennionandwals
2: And what are some of the things they can find there?
3: They're going to find, uh, it's, it's a pretty good website, if I have to say so myself, but if you want to find out about municipal bonds, if you want to find out about uh, different uh, individual investment, uh, you know, investment strategies, uh, unit investment trusts, uh, manage money, uh, separately managed accounts, managed money, things of that nature, wealth management, it's all on there, and it's uh, pretty educational if they go on. It's, uh, uh, it's, there's a lot of things that, that get talked about and explained on there.
2: Very good. Um, we talked a little bit about the potential for defaults. The other big risk that people would see in bonds is buying them today where their prices are up and the yields are very much lower than they've been in a long time. Um, and if interest rates were start to rise, then you could lose a lot of money on, on uh, any kind of bond, but Nunes as well. Uh, is that something people are concerned about or should be concerned about in today's market?
3: Well, I don't think they'd lose a lot of money. I would I would disagree with that. What they what they lose is the, you know, the cost of investing at a higher yield if it came out. So say for example right now the going rate on a municipal bond was just for argument's sake, high quality bond 4%, right? So if you buy a 4% bond today, and you buy high-quality, you buy the GEOs or the central purpose bonds, something that's going to be paying, never miss a payment, and give you money back. And say it's a 30-year bond. where well, they're going to get $4,000 a year tax-free for 30 years, and they're going to get their, their $100,000 back. Now, in the interim, if interest rates went up and they could invest at 5 or 6%, that lost opportunity of investing at a higher yield may exist. Their bond might go down in price, but at maturity... They'll get their money back, so there's not. They wouldn't lose a lot of money. And if you look at history, uh, you know, I can remember I got in the business in 1983, and back then, uh, you know, you could buy a AAA high quality bond at nine percent. But when I was talking to people, they were waiting to go back to 13 and 14 percent because a year or two prior to how I got in the business, the prime rate was 21 percent. Those people are still waiting. Interest rates have only gone down over the last almost 30 over 30 years so you know if you're earning zero right now in a money fund or a cd and you're waiting for interest rates to go up you got to know what what are you waiting for what rate are you waiting to go up for your cd rate or your money market rate to go to three percent to five percent what are you waiting and if you look at in in my in my professional lifetime the individuals that bought when they had investment dollars and they bought whether they bought at three percent or whether they bought at fourteen percent, and they let the they just compounded that interest. It's about that compounding of of, of interest because it's not like the stock market where you got to buy something at the perfect time and sell it at the perfect time to reap a reward. If you buy four percent tax free right now, it's like getting six percent in something taxable year in and year out until until the bond matures when you get your money back. So. You know, if someone sat here and said, okay, well, you could get 6% in the stock market every year for the next 30 years with, with, and get all your money back at the end, a lot of people would do that. It's not so bad. You're not exceeding, you know, a stock market expectation, but you're not, risk, you're not, you're not risking your money to get a, get a higher return. So that's what that comes down to. And then having that money consistently come in, come in, building the portfolio, That's that you know what I call the power of compounding works, and you see people that have lived by that and done that, and forget about trying to pick when rates are going to go higher because I don't know when rates are going to go higher. You don't know when rates are going to go higher. What rate are we talking about? The discount rate, the library rate, the thirty-year Treasury, the ten-year Treasury. Right? It's funny. I've been I've been in this business for you know almost thirty years, and every TV show and every radio show quotes the ten-year Treasury bond. I don't know a person that's ever bought the 10-year Treasury. Right? No. It's a bellwether, but it's not for individual investors, right? Yeah, it might be for a hedge fund, or it might be for you know, big banks to gear things off of, but individual investors don't buy the 10-year Treasury in general, right? So, no, I think if you have investment dollars now, and you're, you're, individuals always have to figure out what their goals and objectives are. But if your goal and objective is income and safety, then you buy and you let your money start working for you.
2: Rates have been falling for a long time. Do you think it's more likely in the long term, say 10 years from now, that rates are going to be
3: higher or lower from where they are today? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess common sense would say that at some point in the future, rates will go higher. Um, but I don't know when. And... I know if you wait for the next 10 years with your money earning zero in a money fund or 2% in something taxable, and then you only have an effective rate of 1%, I know if you put your money in a 3% tax-free bond right now, it won't matter because you'll never catch up by trying to wait. It just doesn't work because your money's earning zero, right? So say, for example, just for argument's sake, you went and bought, invested in a tax-free bond today getting $4,000, right? And you say, and then there's another guy that says, I'm going to leave my money in the money fund again, earning zero, all right? And next year rates go up. Well, the guy that owned the bond is still going to earn 4000 Is the money fund going to go to 8%? Because that's what he's got to do to catch up, right? Yeah. And, and I don't see that happening. So what's it going to go up to? All right, well, it's going to go up to 2%. All right, so now he's going to earn two, going to pay a thousand dollars in taxes or close to it. All right, he's going to keep one, and then the municipal bond guy gets another four thousand, keeps it all. So now at the end of two years, the bond guy has eight thousand, and the other guy that's waiting has a thousand. Now he's got to get seven thousand, right, to catch up. So now the money market fund has to go up to seven thousand, right, or seven percent. You just never catch up. It's impossible. And you know the the cost of waiting, in my opinion, is way too high to to sit there and be doing nothing and and you know the biggest thing that I have that I see with investors is they don 't they don 't set themselves up an actual plan they you know what 's your goal what are you looking to accomplish right and then build a plan around it and if you're you know if you're looking for extreme growth, well then municipal bonds shouldn't even they, they they're not they shouldn't be bought because they're not going to provide a tremendous amount of growth, right? They're going to provide that safety and income. You know, if you're looking to average 14% in the, a year, well, you're going to have to risk your money. So now you have got to know what your risk tolerance is. You got to really think about what you're trying to uh, to accomplish and what you're willing to do to accomplish that. And most investors don't take the time to, to to really do that. But at the end of the day, if you're not looking to be speculative in your investments, if you're looking for a conservative investment that provides income, right now, in my in, in my opinion, I think municipal bonds are tremendous uh, opportunity. You were know, so saying than com- compounding is a good
2: thing. If yeah, you're getting uh, interest payments every s- six months or so, how can you compound? You can't reinvest it back in the same bond. No, not in yeah. an
3: individual bond, but you will have those dollars to reinvest in something.
2: Yeah. So I guess one advantage of a a packaged product, an exchange-traded fund or mutual fund, would be the ability to reinvest more easily. Is that right?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But the disadvantage is is there's no maturity in there. So you could put the $100,000 in, uh, say, a mutual fund, and it could go down in price, and it could never go back to the price you paid, where if you buy a single-issue bond, Again, you buy the high-quality bank investment, great quality, GOs, essential purpose revenues. The price can change in between, but who cares because you're gonna always, your interest doesn't change, and you get your, you, you know, at maturity, you get, you get your, your investment back. You
2: know? So for most people, uh, is it better to buy individual bonds or mutual funds, and what would be the minimum dollar amount that would be appropriate to do individual bonds versus mutual funds?
3: I, I think for most individual investors... The the um, individual bond is is better. Uh, I do see and and you know and we certainly will talk to clients about um, you know mutual funds or or UITS or things or closed ends and those types of scenarios when when they're looking uh, say for example you come with someone that says well I can't you know four percent doesn't cut it I'm, I, I need more income. So now, in turn, they got to you got two choices. You got to lower your, uh, you know, you got you got to lower your risk tolerance. You got to go into something that's more risky to get a higher yield. So instead of buying one junk bond, right? Instead of buying one non-rated bond, and and now you're in a, a potential default scenario. You buy a mutual fund which has thousands of different issues. So you're never going to lose all your money. Right, and and so your downside becomes less. Your yield now you can enhance your yield, right? And it's professionally managed, so they'll they'll do the workouts, and they'll you know the you know they're not going to lose you know if a non small non-rated deal goes goes in default on them, they might come back and because they bought the whole deal, they might end up working out you know ninety five cents on the dollar. So you'll it, it it works better in that scenario. So I think that people are looking for extra yield. I think the the you know the um, um, a mutual fund or UIT or some sort of packaged product works better in those scenarios than going out and buying a single issue.
2: Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh. He's the co-founder and president of Penyon and Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm based in. Uh, Virginia area that is specializing in municipal bonds. We'll be back after this.
4: Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough to succeed. You must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome
2: back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh. He's the co-founder and president of Henning & Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds. And I made a mistake. I said you're in Virginia. Where are you actually located, Bill?
3: Uh, New Jersey, we're located in our our offices in Parsippany, New Jersey. Uh, we do business with in with uh, individuals really in all 50 states, though.
2: So let's talk about some of the opportunities and threats to the municipal bond market. Uh, if, as looks likely, uh, six months from now we have the so-called fiscal cliff where tax rates go up dramatically on dividends and capital gains, there's all kinds of spending cuts, it go into effect, which would hurt states and municipalities. Uh, what would be the impact of that on the municipal bond market?
3: Well, I think if, if the question was if tax rates go up, uh, that in itself would create more of a demand for, for tax-free municipal bonds. Uh, so that in turn would bring prices higher and yields lower. Alright, that's if, if, if tax rates go up.
2: So that's likely to happen. So do you think, in fact, let's take it one piece at a time. If if the tax rates to go up, how, would, would the prices of municipal bonds go up significantly? If dividends and capital gains rates go up to what's in the current law?
3: Yeah, I I, I believe so. I, I I believe so. I think more people uh, would be looking at municipal bonds as an alternative, and because uh, again, everything becomes your effective yield. Uh, and if people are paying more federal income tax at a higher tax rate, uh, they in turn would be increasing their effective yield on their municipal bonds. So I think I think people would I think there's no question in my mind that you know uh, demand would would increase.
2: And has that happened in the past when there've been tax rate increases?
3: Yeah. Uh, for example, 1993.
2: How did that affect the muni market? Yeah.
3: It, uh, again, normally uh, it's just going to create more demand, and no matter what municipal bond is is an over the counter market and is very much supply and demand driven uh you know it, 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 almost if if not as if not more than at least as much as interest rate driven and things of that nature so uh supply and demand uh and it would, there's no question that would, it would increase demand. Uh, supply would not, uh, yeah, I couldn't see it changing too much. New issues, secondary market would, would be relatively the same, uh, which would in turn bond prices to go up and yields to come down lower, uh, throughout that. So that's on the tax
2: rate side. Now, the other part of the fiscal cliff is massive spending cuts by the federal government on both defense and non defense, which would hurt. States and municipalities all over the country, uh, would that weaken them and make uh, ratings go down for a lot of municipalities? Yeah, I think,
3: uh, again, I, I think that it, it could, uh, weaken the municipality and then if the mis- municipality became weaker, uh, the ratings would go down. I think though the, you know, the last, you know, four years, uh, proved uh the resiliency of the actual local and state and, and municipal governments. Um, unlike the federal government, uh many municipalities they they address this. This is at the at the lower, you know, local and state levels. This matters and they actually start making cuts and they start start spending less. And, uh, again, though I am not sitting here and pretending to be uh, a, a, an analyst on, on, every, on every financial move a municipality makes, uh, I think the consensus would be that municipalities in general are much stronger today than they were four or five years ago, even with a prolonged recession, because they've, they've, they've been much more fiscally responsible than our federal government has. So, I think it would be addressed. I think if there was less income coming into the state or municipality, it would certainly make it more difficult but uh, I think they would uh, the states and and, and municipalities would, start, would continue to address it
2: so net net what we 're talking about tax rates going up uh, budget cuts in various ways are municipal bonds on the whole going to be in uh, better shape or worse shape after that
3: well i again i I, I think if you know if there's Prolonged recession and and, and budget cuts and, and less money getting to the states. That's always something you know that makes that makes it harder for the state. But I I would say uh, that if they raise rates and do those things without any any other any craziness going on, I think that demand would still far outweigh um, you know any fiscal. Uh, issues and you would still see, uh, you know, a much higher demand for municipals. And then the if other threat. Ahead. Ahead. No, I'm good. I'm sorry.
2: The other threat to muni's is uh, that the tax exemption would be taken away. As like you said, it's been there for decades, but as a way to raise revenue, and politically, uh, people say, uh, you, you know, the rich people are buying these muni's and avoiding taxes. We have to collect taxes from them uh, to somehow take away altogether or certainly limit. Uh, the tax-free, uh, nature of municipal bonds. Is that likely to happen? And, uh, what would be the effect of the market on that?
3: You know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's likely. It certainly has been talked about recently and, and, you know, it certainly has been talked about, uh, for the 28 years that I've been in the business. Um, it, it, you know, it's, uh, if it happens, I mean, first of all, if they did it, like, I mean personally, I think it would be a mistake. Uh, municipal finance actually works, all right. It, you know, it allows municipalities to go out and raise money, and they need to. You need to build schools. You need to fix bridges. You need to build roads. You know, you need to you know have fire departments and and police stations, and you, we need infrastructure right? And the states don't have to depend upon the federal government for all their infrastructure, which is a good thing. Municipal finance works, and the reason it works is because of the tax exemption. It allows them to borrow at much lower rates than, say, a corporation or a private entity could borrow at, right? So their effective borrowing rate is much lower. So it's a system that works. I know there'll be banter all around of why and how and all this stuff, but it works, and if the if the government... You know, the federal government starts putting their 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 you know their great minds at work to to make a new a great new you know resource. I, I think it's really going to end up hurting the municipalities uh, in their ability to 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 create infrastructure and to keep the keep everything up to date and things of that nature. Now, on the investing side, if if it does happen, I mean, anytime they've talked about it, they they talk about you know. New issues, you know, so it wouldn't be on the existing issues. It would be on any new issues that came out. Like for example, a couple years ago, they did the Build America bonds, which, by the way, were taxable, but were also subsidized by the federal government. You know, so the effective rate to the municipality still was was low. It just cost cost us as taxpayers of the federal government more money. So again, you got to look at the the reality of this stuff. But um, I, I think the uh, I think the markets would adjust at that point. I think the demand for the existing bonds in the secondary market would be extraordinary because they would, you know, more, more than likely still have their tax exempt status. And I think the the new issues that came out would just be at higher rates, uh, so people could still buy them. But the, the you know somehow the market sort of. You know, supply and demand evens things out, and the rates would end up being high enough where where you know it, it equal what the old effective rate was. So this has uh,
2: happened in the past, right? Now, for example, A.M.T. bonds, and you sell the Build America bonds. There are right. municipal bonds that are yep. taxable. Yeah, I think, and so they, they,
3: I, I think the uh, Build America bonds were really the best example of it because they were taxable and and uh, um, you know they were subsidized by the federal government. Um, uh, to the states, so so the, as I said, their effective borrowing yields uh, really maintained low, and uh, but their yields were much higher than uh, the actual tax-free yield. So it, it it worked, you know, because maybe if you're if you weren't in the highest bracket, maybe the Build America bond might have been a better value for you. you. know, maybe that gave you a higher a higher effective yield than an actual tax-free bond does. So it's. You know, I, I think the markets would, would, would adjust all around it uh, if it happened. And, um, you know, well, I don't know what will happen. Who knows? You know, I guess they're trying to, to you know, to get money from anywhere and everywhere, uh, the federal government. But, you know, it's, I, I, think the, I think the municipal bond market and the individual investors, every, you know, everything would, would seek a certain level, and, and it would proceed as, as always.
2: So are there limits now for wealthy people as to how much they can put in bonds? And, I mean, are they subject to the alternative minimum tax or something? Because it's been the complaint well, are, in the past, people put money bonds in bonds and avoid it, taxes.
3: Yeah, there are bonds that, you know, that, that, that will carry an alternative minimum tax, uh, to them. So in essence lose its, you know, tax, uh, uh, tax advantage. Uh, but, you know, uh, again, A.M.T. tax laws, I, I I would not be comfortable going into detail here because they're they're very complicated. Uh, it doesn't affect most people, and it's funny, you know. It's like you talk to me about oh, very very wealthy people. Um, I don't know, my client base, I, I guess, would be considered wealthy, but they're they're savers. They're people that have have you know saved money over their lifetime. They're people that have you know. Worked and, and and built businesses and sold them. Uh, they're they're not. they you know we're not talking about uh, you know Bill Gates. The you know we're talking about average people. You know working class people that have worked hard for maybe you know forty fifty years have accumulated you know wealth. But the wealth is you know three four five million dollars of of working hard investing hard saving. Not just squandering their money, uh, and these are just regular, you know, guys next door. We're not, you know, but you know, our clients and, and bond buyers are, are, again, not ultra wealthy. Uh, they're, they I guess they are wealthy compared to certain people, but they've also, they've put in time and, 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 and investment and, and they've built something. So, you know, it would hurt them. And they're not, you know, people that are just, you know, building libraries at uh, some Ivy League institution. You know, they're right. working class Very people. Good.
2: Okay, great. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh, co-founder and president of Henyon & Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds based in Parsippany, New Jersey. We'll be back after this. Mm-hmm. My guest this hour is Bill Walsh, uh, the co-founder and president of Henyon & Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds based in Parsippany, New Jersey. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thank you for having me. In addition to uh, talking about individual bonds, there are various ways people can buy them in package forms. So let's briefly go through the pros and cons of those. Uh, sure. One form would be closed-end municipal bond funds. These would be traded on exchange, selling at a premium or discount to the net asset value. What's the advantage or disadvantage of Buying munis that way.
3: Um, I'm sorry, I I couldn't hear you. Could you tell me that again?
2: Closed-end bond funds. Yes. Pros and cons of those.
3: Um, Closed-end closed-end bond funds are. um, It's like it's like an open it's like a mutual fund. It's an open-end mutual fund, except there's never a redemption in it. Okay, so. Uh, and the money stays contained within that portfolio and within that manager, all right? So um, how do I explain it? There could be thousands of different bonds in there, but there'll never be uh, a liquidation. You'll have to buy and sell a closed-end fund on uh, an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or the American Stock Exchange, and it's, uh, it, it, it may never really be its value. Uh, again, closed ends can be an effective investment tool. Uh, most times, though, I suggest that if you're going to buy closed ends, do it through, uh, you know, a manager, through a unit investment trust. It seems to work better, uh, than single issue. If you come out, a closed end comes out at 20, you know, the value of the portfolio might be more, worth more than 20, but the price on the exchange might be 19, and so it's trading below its net asset value. That's a very possible scenario. Do, do most of them trade at discounts today? No, yeah, I mean the answer is no. it all depends which ones and, and what they have in it. Uh, some trade at discounts, some trade you know uh, at premiums. but the, the the problem with them is that you know, it's and, and again, it comes to supply and demand. If there's not a lot of trading going on which there isn't on the exchange for those for those uh, those closed end funds, a lot of times you you know you sell it. And you try to sell a lot of it, and you almost drive the price down yourself. Uh, so it's, you've got to be a little wary of them. They can be a good investment vehicle. They certainly have the diversification that that is necessary if you, especially if you're seeking extra yield. Uh, it just it's sometimes it's very hard to trade them or to own them individually. So a lot of times, as I said, going you know when you buy a UIT that that has a group of them, it seems to. Be a better alternative for the individual investor.
2: How about open-end funds offered by the big companies of Vanguard, of Fidelity, of T. Rowe Price, either no load or load? Uh, what do you think about those as a way of buying muni?s Well,
3: again, if 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 you're looking for single issues, if you're just going to buy a high-quality municipal bond, I, I I think you buy a single issue. Uh, you know, to to have someone manage you know a double A bond portfolio doesn't really matter and the problem with the open-end funds the good thing is is it's priced every day at whatever the net asset value is and that's how you know you base your your, your buying or selling so that's good all right but the bad thing is is that you really don't get an enhanced rate because if they're buying double-a bonds they're buying double-a bonds and even if they're charging a little bit the charge still comes out which affects your yield so normally you can get a better yield on high-quality individual bonds over high-quality bond funds. And then the downside is they can change the dividend, all right? They do it all the time, or the income. And you have no assurance that the, the money you put in will be the money you get out because the, the price may never be at the NAV, and there's, so there's no maturity. So that's the, the, that's the downsides. But, again, if, uh, where I look at uh, mutual funds a lot is if you're looking for extra yield. If you're buying lower-quality bonds, the diversification matter it helps dramatically, uh, and it gives you an advantage to maybe enhance your yield and, and diversify your risk over uh, a, you know, a big portfolio and have a professional manager that, that knows the, the junk or the, the non-rated or the speculative market
2: how about exchange traded funds which there are many bonds that are traded through exchange traded funds
3: yeah uh, uh on the etfs um, you know it, it's funny we have uh well my chief investment officer here is actually a uh, written books and stuff on etfs uh and again i think the etfs are, are better suited uh in in general uh you know in in another product um, Again, you get diversification. You get you, you get many of the benefits, but you, it, it's it's tough to just build your own portfolio with just ETFs. And then you have all the you have all the things like like the like the closed ends and the open ends. You have different you know. There's no maturities, no set you know. They can change the dividend, all those things.
2: And then how about unit investment trust, which is pretty much a fixed portfolio? It does have a maturity date, right? Yeah, uh, it
3: does. The you know the only problem is depending upon what is in there. Now again, you, I, you, unit investment trust to me uh, is is a very good investment uh, for um, for individual investors. Again, depending upon what your goals and objectives are and wh- where you where you're trying to be, but the unit investment trust will have a fixed maturity. But maybe the investments in there, if they're buying single issue bonds. Then it would have a fixed maturity because single issue bonds have a maturity. If they're buying, um, you know, uh, closed ends or 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 uh, ETFs, then you would have you would be running the same risk where there's no fixed maturity. But because there'd be a lot of them in there, it it, it diversifies the diversification if that makes sense. So now you're you're so you're you're so spread and diversified it would have a. a you know, you're in a better place than if you just own one yourself.
2: So we have about two minutes to go. Just kind of give us an overall of the pros and cons of buying munis in today's market for investors who want pretty stable, fixed uh, income.
3: I, I, again, I, I think uh, today's market or, or any markets that I, most markets that I've seen over – uh 29 years of, of 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 helping individual investors is if you're if you're looking for income, if you're looking for safety, regardless of what the rate is, take a look at what's available, make your comparisons, right? Compare apples to apples, right? And then I think you look at municipal bonds today, right now, prove to be you know of value compared to all other things. Um, the, the the my my belief the downside of bonds is if it doesn't fit your investment objective if you're looking for something other if you're looking for growth if you're looking for uh, you know extraordinarily high high yields well then high quality municipal bonds don't face that you know aren't part of that but again you have to know that to get those things you have to now take extraordinary risk is that what you're looking to do if you're looking to take extraordinary risk. Then, then maybe a bond isn't what you're, you you know, is best suited for you at this time. But if you're looking for safety, if you're looking for income, if you look at after tax yields, I think effectively municipal bonds could be, uh, I think, I think they could be the foundation of many individual investors' portfolio, uh, that gives you that power of compounding, gives you a steady stream of income, and at the end of the day, it'll build a strong portfolio.
2: Very good. My guest, uh, this edition of the Money Answer Show, has been Bill Walsh. Uh, he is the president and co-founder of Henyon & Walsh, a full-service brokerage firm specializing in municipal bonds based in Parsippany, New Jersey. Uh, their website is Hennion & Walsh, uh, dot com. Uh Thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Bill.
3: Thank you for having me. Have a good day.
2: Thank you, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.
1: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answers Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.